Welcome to Sunday Sermons at Journey. Join us every week as we bring you inspiring messages from our community of believers. We believe in the need to gather together to worship, learn, and grow in our faith as a family, and we're excited to share that experience with you. Whether you're a longtime member of our community or a first-time listener, we hope these messages will encourage and challenge you on your own spiritual journey. So grab a cup of coffee and settle in for some thoughtful reflection and inspiring insights. Let's get started. Uh, We are in the middle of a series that we're calling The Mission because we want to know God's heart in reaching disconnected people and people that do not know and love him. Uh, So to get us started this morning, uh, I want to share something that I think most of you are familiar with. Uh, We are having a really hard time with friendships as Americans. Uh, The percentage of Americans who said they have no close friends quadrupled between 1990 and 2020. Pretty staggering. And in one survey, 54% of Americans reported that no one knows them well. And part of this is because people are spending much more time alone. In 2013, Americans spent on average about six and a half hours with friends. By 2019, that dropped to four hours per week. And by 2020, it dropped even further to two hours and 45 minutes. What is this doing to us? What is this doing to us? Bessel van der Kolk wrote a book called The Body Keeps the Score. It's uh, a book on trauma. It's really dense, but really helpful. It's been on the bestseller list for decades now. And in his book, this is what he says. Knowing that we are seen and heard by important people in our lives can make us feel calm and safe. And being ignored or dismissed can precipitate rage reactions or mental collapse. I think it's safe to say that as our time spent with others goes down, so does our ability to see and truly know and understand people. And so for followers of Jesus, this could be a concern because we will begin to lose the ability to see others as God sees them. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. How does God see you? And therefore, how do we see other people? And so uh, this is the roadmap in case you're type A like me. This is where we're going. We're going to talk about how we have a seeing problem and identifying what that problem is so that we can then move into understanding and exploring how God sees us that will then provide the conclusion on how we are to see others like God sees them. So we're going to jump into Matthew chapter 13. And this is what Jesus says. And he's quoting Isaiah. He says, you will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts and turn and I will heal them. In the kingdom of God, Jesus seems to be making a claim. In the kingdom of God, you can see but not perceive. You could hear, but not understand. Just because you have physical eyes and physical ears does not mean that you will be able to see correctly. 
what is the problem? Do we need to go to our optometrist to get new glasses so we could physically see better? Do we need to go to the ear, nose, throat doctor and check our ears so that way we could better hear what people are saying? Jesus gets to the heart, pun intended, of the issue. What does he say? For this people's heart has become calloused. So your problem is not your eyes and it's not your ears. The diagnosis, according to Jesus, the great physician, is your heart. And the reason you can't see and the reason you can't hear is because you have a hard, calloused heart. Paul, uh, this is this becomes so clear in the New Testament, not just in the Gospels, but even when we look at Paul's writings. In Ephesians chapter four, Paul says this, they are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. And what is the lifestyle? What is the, the life that those people with hard hearts live? Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity and they are full of greed. This is the end result of a calloused heart kind of person. And Paul ups the ante and he, he describes that this is part of the work of the devil, Satan, the accuser, the father of many lives, whatever title you want to give him. This is how Paul says it in 2 Corinthians. The God of this age, so that's, lowercase g, so that's the God of this age, has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ who is the image of God. One of the ways that the enemy works is to blind you, to prevent you from seeing the glory of the Father. And he's very good at this. And many of us are susceptible to receiving this kind of attack. Uh, this is all throughout the, the, the Gospels, especially when you look at the Pharisees. The Pharisees were the religious leaders of the day, and they were people who should have been able to see, but did not see. This shows us that the solution to our blindness is not knowledge. Because the Pharisees, they memorized entire books of the Bible. They knew and followed the law and its commands to its completion. Yet, when the Son of God came, they still missed it. They did not see Jesus for who he really was. And here's the distinction. The Pharisees saw clearly, but not correctly. And here's what I want you to know this morning, is you can see clearly, but you could not see correctly. What's the difference? Others see people as they are. Jesus sees you for who you can be. And this is extremely good news for us this morning. When others saw Abraham and Sarah as an old, barren, childless couple, God saw the father and mother that would bring blessing to all nations. When others saw Moses as a foreign porn outsider with a speech impediment, God saw him as the deliverer of Israel and the one who would lead them through the wilderness. When others saw Rahab as a prostitute that hosted men for self-indulgence, God saw a woman capable of hosting men to scout the city for his work. When others saw David as the youngest shepherd boy who was gentle 
and the smallest, God saw a king that would unite his people. When others saw Ezra as just another scribe and priest, God saw someone who could restore the scriptures to their rightful place after the return to Jerusalem. When others saw Esther as an ordinary orphan Jewish girl, God saw a protector and advocate for his people. When others saw Mary as a teenage pregnant girl during her engagement, God saw one worthy to carry, nourish, and change diapers and become the mother of the Son of God. When others saw Peter, James, and John as dumb, rough around the edges, fishermen, Jesus saw the greatest instruments of evangelism the world has ever seen. When others saw a group of friends guilty of destruction of property, Jesus saw devoted friends that were determined to have their friend lowered through the roof to be healed by Jesus. When others saw the beggars, the lame, and the blind and made moral assumptions, Jesus saw people created in the image of God. When others saw Gentiles as unclean, less than, not worthy of being in their presence, Jesus saw them as being worthy of being included into the family of God. When others saw a Roman cross as an instrument of death, Jesus saw it as an instrument to bring life. When others see your past, Jesus sees your future. How was Jesus able to see this way? Because I want to see this way. I do not want to see people as they are. I do want to see them as Jesus can transform them into being. How did Jesus see them this way? talking about seeing others like Jesus led me into research about eyes and optometry websites and YouTube videos. Very fascinating. Here's like how eyes work at the fundamental basic level. Essentially, our eyes see by absorbing light. So first the light goes through the cornea and your pupils adjust. Then the lens focuses the light into the retina and then the optic nerve sends that signal to your brain and therefore you see. It's pretty remarkable. But as I was studying about eyes, something consistently came up over and over again in every article, in every YouTube video, because yes, YouTube is now a credible source. (laughs) What is essential to the health of a human eye is tears. You need tears to see correctly. Tears keep your eyes wet and smooth and help focus light so you can see clearly. And the American, American Academy of Ophthalmology states that there are three different types of tears. The first is basal tears, and these are present all the time to lubricate, nourish, and to protect your eyes. The second kind of tears are reflex tears. If you ever cooked in the kitchen and cut an onion, the reflex tears you will start to cry. If you get punched in the nose, you will start to cry. Those are your reflex tears. But the third kind of tears are called emotional tears. And they're produced as a response to emotional states. And as far as the research can show, humans are the only created being that has emotional tears. And when they captured emotional tears, put them under the microscope, they actually found that these emotional tears contained additional hormones and proteins not found in any other kind of tears. That these emotional tears quite literally contain protein and hormones to physically help your body mourn and comfort and move forward. 
Now, why do I bring up tears? Because I'm convinced that we serve a God of tears. How was Jesus able to see other people that way? Because the lens by which he saw people was through his tears. And I want to submit to you this morning that God sees you through tears. John 11, Jesus' friend Lazarus dies. And this is what it says. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him, he asked. Come and see, Lord. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. In Mark 6, Jesus is crossing one of the seas. And it says, when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. In Luke 19, he he is making his triumphal entry into Jerusalem, heading to his destination to the cross. And it says, as he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it. Seeing an entire city made Jesus weep. And it was through tears that he saw the city that he was entering to go save the world. And later, Matthew chapter 26, Jesus is in the garden of Gethsemane with his friends. And he's sweating drops of blood and he's praying. And it says, then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. And in the book of Hebrews chapter five, verse seven, we get these beautiful words. During the days of Jesus's life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. Our God is a God of tears. God sees us through his own very tears because he has a heart full of compassion, a heart full of grace and love that moves him into emotional tears for his people that are lost, for men and women who do not know him. And his response is to weep. But not only does God himself cry, God sees your tears. In 2 Kings 20, it says, this is what the Lord, the God of your father, David says, I have heard your prayer and seen your tears. I will heal you. In 1 Samuel, Hannah is barren and she so desperately wants a child. And it says, in her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. And later it says, the Lord remembered her. So in the course of time, Hannah became pregnant, gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel. In Psalm chapter six, David says these words, I am worn out from my groaning. All night long, I flood my bed with weeping and drench my couch with tears. My eyes grow weak with sorrow. They fail because of all my foes. Away from me, all you who do evil, for the Lord has heard my weeping. The Lord has heard my cry for mercy. The Lord accepts my prayer. Psalm 34, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and save those who are crushed in spirit. When was the last time that you cried? For me, it was just a few weeks ago in December. 
uh, as I got done watching The Iron Claw. Has anyone seen that movie? No? Okay. Uh, essentially, The Iron Claw, Zac Efron, uh, he is in a wrestling family, the Von Erich family, if you know them, they're a famous Dallas wrestling uh, family. But essentially, the movie I thought was going to be about wrestling, and it ended up being about fatherhood and the way that a father can influence their kids for good or better. And I sat there during the credits, and I sat there the whole time because it's like, I need to collect myself before I get up and walk out of this theater. The stats show us that women cry more than men. I know that's probably a huge surprise to you. Uh, Women cry an average of 5.3 times a month, and men cry an average of 1.3 times a month. But when you look at the research, it's very clear that women are more comfortable crying in the presence of other people than men are. Men actually cry almost just as much as women. They just do it alone. And I think part of this is because men don't know where a safe place to bring their tears are. Where can you bring your tears? In Luke 7, we get one of the most beautiful stories of Jesus. Jesus gets invited over to the Pharisees' house and the religious leaders. And it's a great dinner. And in the middle of the dinner, the door opens. And this woman who in the scriptures is not dignified with a name. All it says is a woman who lived a sinful life. I know you watch Game of Thrones and Netflix. You could fill in the blank. A woman who lived a sinful life comes in, falls to the feet of Jesus, and begins weeping at his feet. She covers Jesus' feet with her tears, takes her hair, wipes his feet, takes perfume, pours them on her feet, and cannot stop kissing the feet of Jesus. And the religious leaders in the middle of this dinner look at Jesus and said, do you not see who this woman is? If you knew who she was and the woman that she is, you would understand and you would not let this woman do what she's doing. Essentially, they're accusing him, Jesus, you do not have eyes to see. You do not understand who this woman is. But we can see and we're making our judgments clear and therefore we're now judging you. And Jesus turns to them and says, oh, is that what you think? Well, can I tell you a story? And Jesus says, suppose there are two men. They each owe money to a certain moneylender. One of the men owes the moneylender $50. Another man owes him $50,000. But none of these men can pay the moneylender back. And suppose the moneylender comes to them and says, you know what, I have forgiven both of your debts. Now, which one do you think will love him more? And the religious leaders lock eyes with Jesus and they say, I suppose the one with the bigger debt forgiven. Jesus looks at him and says, you have judged correctly. Do you see this woman? I entered your house. You did not greet me with a kiss. This woman has not stopped kissing my feet. When I walked into this house, you did not give me water to wash my feet, yet this woman has wept tears on my feet and cleansed them. You have not offered me oil over my head when I walked through your doors, but this woman has lavishly poured perfume over my feet. I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven. He who loves much, he who has been forgiven much will love much. 
Go, you have been forgiven of your sin. Where could this woman bring her tears? She could not bring her tears to the temple. She was ceremonially and ritually unclean. She was not welcome at the place of worship. She could not bring her tears there. She probably had no friends. She was a social outcast. She went from man to man and people talked about her in town. She could not bring her tears to her friends. Because of the life she lived, her parents probably kicked her out of the house. She could not bring her tears to her parents. Yet she found the safest place to be at the feet of Jesus. I have some good news for you this morning. If you feel unseen, overlooked, excluded, overwhelmed with shame and grief, you can bring your tears to the feet of Jesus. He welcomes you, he sees you, and he wants you to come to him. And what will you find when you bring your tears to the feet of Jesus? Mercy, grace, love, forgiveness. And I share this because I'm looking around this room and I'm aware that there's a lot of grief. There's a lot of tears that have been cried. You could be lonely, isolated, and have a heart full of grief. But here's what I'm gonna tell you is you have the gift of tears. You have the gift of tears. How ironic is it that at that dinner party, Jesus was saw by two different groups of people. The Pharisees were seeing Jesus. The sinful woman were seeing Jesus. And yet it was through tears that this woman saw Jesus correctly. And it was the religious leaders that missed out on seeing who Jesus really was. I'm gonna call the band back up. Um, Many of you are like, Adam, what do we do? Uh, I'm not gonna emotionally manipulate you, but I think that we need to recover our tears. And some of you have a hard time crying. I'm in the same category. I don't cry a bunch. I don't find myself weeping a lot. What happens when you lose your tears? There's a medical diagnosis for this. And the medical diagnosis is called dry eye. And the prescription that a doctor will make for dry eyes is to give you eye drops, which are also known as artificial tears. Because dry eye, left untreated, will cause itching, burning, and a blurred vision. And so the only prescription is for your eyes to be receiving artificial tears. Because here's what you need. You need your tears. If you have blurry vision, if you cannot see properly, the lens the great physician wants to prescribe to you this morning is the gift of tears. We will regain our sight by regaining our tears. Do you want to see people correctly like Jesus? Do you want to see them as men and women created in the image of God? Do you want to see them as their redemptive potential in the eyes of Jesus? You must regain your tears. You must get rid of your calloused heart and let the grace of Jesus massage it and soften and melt that calloused heart for you to become overwhelmingly in love, full of care and compassion for those outside of these walls and inside of these walls that do not know Jesus. 
That's it for this week's Sunday Sermons at Journey. We hope you found the message inspiring and uplifting. And if you enjoyed listening, please consider subscribing to our podcast to stay updated on our latest episodes and then share it with your friends and family. If you have any thoughts, questions, or feedback, we'd love to hear from you. Just send us an email at journey at journeycs.org. We'll be back next week with another message, so be sure to tune in. Until then, have a great week, and let's walk together and make a difference. Thank you.